Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 86 of Period of the Podcast Adjunct Series. We are back again. I have a very special friend of mine joining me this evening. You might remember her. I actually thought it was at least a year ago, but because time is a, a fucking warp right now, it was actually in the early parts of 2021. But so much has changed. I'm so proud of her. I'm looking forward to getting the story. Please welcome Christina from Exhale Brewing. We're on screen. There we are. Wait, 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 wait. There it is. How you doing, man? Uh, Yeah, it's it's been a week in beer. (laughs) Isn't it always? Um, Um, But no, I'm I'm, I'm doing well. Good. How can I play? Has it started to, I don't want to be the old man sort of shit, but uh, how's the, you're in Calgary, uh, Alberta. Mm-hmm. How bad is it there right now? Because you guys, like even for us out here, I look at your weather, I'm like, oh, that's bad. Yeah, it was it was a blizzard. I was actually supposed to be on another podcast uh, this evening. I was doing back-to-back podcasts. Ooh, okay. Um, but I actually had to cancel because I got stuck in a blizzard. So, uh, yeah, it's about minus 17 right now. Okay. Coming in sideways. Jesus, we are plus 11. <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, it's not nice. <laughs> I'm not rubbing it in. It's just funny. Two Aussies who aren't used to any of this stuff trying to, to, to balance out the weather thing. I think it's just we might just have it a warm spell. So trust me, we'll, we were already at minus 17 like last week. So, yeah, yeah, I'm hope I'm hoping it gets a little warmer. I've gone back to ski coaching this year, so um, so Sundays I'm I'm out at uh, Norquay uh, on skis, and uh, yeah, it can get pretty cold. So I'm hoping it warms mm. up by the weekend at least. I can imagine that wouldn't be super pleasant when it doesn't have to be like a isn't there like a perfect temperature for um, skiing? Excuse my ignorance, nah, or not really? Shred- shredding is shredding. Yeah? <laughs> it's, it's how long you think you can feet can withstand it. Okay, so all right, so the people with the coldest blood are uh, good to go. <laughs> all right, fuck man, I've never done that before. I'm not into that, but uh, I'm glad it's not me. Well, I want to start yeah. with the beer. I'm going to start with one of your fantastic beers. It's uh, one of the greatest beer names. See you next Tuesday. Your dry hopped Kolsch, made for Australia Day for the most part, but I guess it's year round now, eh? It is. It's year round. It was only going to be a one-off beer, and it has proven to be my top seller, and people are loving it um, because it's not a lot of people are making kolsches. Um, and then I uh, did late edition topaz on this as the hop, nice. and then a dry hop, but like two grams per liter with the Galaxy, and the way in which the Galaxy presents it, that like white creamy floralness and the melon, and then as it warms, you get a little bit of that pineapple that rolls through, Oof. but you still have the grassiness that is there because they're both uh, noble hop derivatives. Right. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been my best seller. Just about to go into 50-litre kegs with it. Amazing. So, this is, um, I mean, I've only had a couple of beers from you, but this has definitely been my fave, so I was looking forward to this. Now, we actually do it. We did a bit of a trade this episode. Oof. So you are rocking the BOS and Nickelbrook Green Apple Lager. It does, on paper, sound a little bonkers. It has uh, some green apple puree. It has, I think it's nutmeg, cinnamon, allspice, and uh, lactose. But it's very, very uh, mellow. It's really not the scary 
you know, crazy shit that it seems. And Nickelbrook, are you familiar with Nickelbrook at all? I am. Yeah, we've had it out in Alberta for quite a while. Okay, good, good. So they're like OGs, and they're a, they're a big deal for us to do this collab with them was huge. When I was uh, like 2011, 2010, when I really started the beer journey, I was drinking their green apple Pilsner. And this was a new version of that. It was actually supposed to be a smoothie, but changed to that. Cheers, man. Good to see you. Yeah, you too, mate. Mm. Man, this is delicious. Such a great note. As soon as you crack the can, it's just like, boom. Everything you described, melon, pineapple, floral. Yeah. I love it. And you don't really see dry hop cultures, which is even, uh, which is cooler. Yeah, taking, uh, I think the thing that uh, Excel does really well is taking uh, old world styles and giving them new world twists um, and making sure that they're super balanced um, and also making sure that the con- what's in the, on the inside of the can is just as um, noteworthy and conversation worthy as what's on the outside of the can. I love that. I love it. Um, I guess I didn't really show the can off enough, but you got the old green and gold, the old stray up there which is uh, a beautiful thing. you got the sort of uh, provocative name that we won't go into too much detail about, but uh, it's hilarious. And if anyone knows anything about Australian culture, you will, you know, you know the vibes. <laughs> and I guess you got like the cool write-up. You've got like a full, uh, you know, breakdown of the beer and the meaning behind it, as you were saying. Actually, no, it's this side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, the ongoing, so all uh, the core beer that Exhale will always have an ongoing community give back portion to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so ongoing partial proceeds go back to the Kangaroos Football Club here and uh, they have a non-for-profit for their youth program. So I actually help sponsor um, families uh, with sporting opportunities who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it because the program doesn't turn um, anyone away. Right. So, um, so that's that's part of uh, the ethos of Exhale is is having that big community service um, piece to it, and um, yeah, and the name of course is extremely Australian <laughs> and cheeky. Uh, I find that a lot of us Canadians want to say that word, uh, but don't. And I'm like, I give you permission. Um, <laughs> but one of the things, you know, we've had a couple of people ask us, you know, why would you use that? It's so derogatory. And, and you know, you and I am preaching to the choir here. We actually use it quite affectionately in Australia. Yeah. Um, we've taken the power away from that word. And one of the things that's been, it's been used in North America as a derogatory term around women. And I find when you take that power back, um, it now no longer has that effect. Uh, so, you know, that, that's part of what we're trying to do as well is, you know, let's reframe the perspective of this, um, because we shouldn't be so offended. We're not, we're not offended with, uh, with words around male genitalia. So why are we offended around, you know, as much, they're they're used so much wide, widely. So why are we so offended with the female anatomy? I guess you could align that with, uh, you know, like you can show a male nipple on the internet, but you cannot show a female nipple, it becomes porn. So, I mean, it's the same logic, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a number of Instagram posts taken down um, <laughs> recently. Which is crazy. <laughs> it's... Once again, yeah, like I'm not, a, I'm not a ashamed of, you know, my areola and why does mine have to be so sexualized in this patriarchal structure and standard 
Facts. It's it's pretty ridiculous. So, and, and I guess that's a great alignment. I guess I never really thought about it in that way because I don't use the C-bomb in that way. I've ne- it's just never, no one I know would use it. It just sounds kind of gross when you're using it if you're thinking of a fair genitalia thing. But like culturally, if anyone's familiar with either Australian for us, but you know, British culture use it in the same way. Pro- like it's more of a term of aggression, I would say. You'd say it's someone... That, that over here that they'd be more familiar with, but we would say it to each other, like you said, very affectionately. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's just a funny thing when I'm around other Aussies, like it's probably going to be hard for both of us not to say it to them. <laughs> yeah. Luckily it's pre-recorded, so we can fix it if we do. <laughs> I just have to write down the time. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I love you pushing the boundaries of it. This is the, I guess this is uh, the first time I had, it would have been, um, would have been back in uh, Feb. I checked it was episode 44 of uh, this adjunct series. So if anyone wants to check out your full story, because we probably won't go into that this episode, since it's a follow-up, we're going to be talking about other things. But if people want to get the full origin, check out that app uh, where we had this one in your first beer impeachment. Um, we're going to touch, I mean, since you, since we spoke last, you've done four new beers on top of that with a total of six. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. And that, would you, would you, uh, and we'll talk about each one as we go through. I got almost all of them tonight. Would you, um, that's a significant number for a, a brewery that's currently, you know, starting off contracting, which is you know, arguably the most common way to do it and one of the most intelligent ways to start a capital-heavy business like craft beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for for beer, uh, we've had a you know, and and ongoing in the back of that, you know, we've turned uh, Cinex Tuesday into a full-time skew. Which or a full-time beer that uh, was always supposed to be a one-off, but because it's been so popular and it's the biggest seller, um, we couldn't take it off the shelves. Um, so, yeah, four beer. So the Saison series was the next one to come. I actually won an Alberta Beverage Award for that in the Farmhouse Ales um, and awesome. alongside some Ripper beers uh, with from Trial and Ale who are doing some really cool experimental uh, mixed fermentation stuff. Um and then, and also, uh, Annex Ales was in that category as well. Um, so, and they're they're a well established, uh, very cool, amazing humans in that place. Um, so to be, and they, and they were all bottle additions as well. So to mm. be put in that category with they weren't raging against white goods with the dry hopped uh, Belgian saison using Barbouge. Um, that was that was we're, we're going to wear that as a pin. Um, and a feather in our cap on That's that awesome. one. And after that, so it was part one to the Saison series, and then part two is the raspberry cherry version of that. Uh, so same dry hop. Um, actually, we changed changed a couple of things up, but still use the uh, the Barbouche on that. Base and, was the same? Uh, base was pretty much the same, yep. Just mixed up a couple little things with the, with the grains uh, and the grist makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then added raspberry and cherries on day four of fermentation, which bodes just so well with that, uh, diastatic Belgian use with that bubble gum. And then the Belgian that has those berries and lemon balm, uh, notes that you get through on it as well. Um, that raspberry cherry is probably one of my favorite beer, um, so far. I love Saison's every year. Uh, we're going to do a Saison series. Um, unfortunately, Saisons don't seem to be so cool in Alberta. Uh, yeah. So I did actually put out a hat that says make Saisons cool again, uh, totally riff- riffing on the whole. <laughs> <laughs> the old Trump thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it seems to be a, a theme, making fun of him. Um, you got to. 
Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So trying to we're trying to make seasons cool again and and uh, and bring them in. And so we've got the season series set for 2022, and that's really exciting. Super excited for that one. And then the other one we put out was the Arnie Reen's Plum Pudding Porter. Um, so that was a plum put, a, a porter at its base uh, used uh, vanilla, graham crackers, cinnamon, um, and treacle. And nice. then added a bunch of 500 pounds of organic plums. Damn. So we have some, uh, we have some, we're going to probably re-release that next year with some changes um, because the base porter itself was fucking magnificent. <laughs> Did you ever drop the base? I actually, I actually um, was standing there with uh, with one of the brewers, and we were, we had the base before we put the plums in it, and we're both looking at each other like, "Oh, should we just should do we it? <laughs> should we put plums in it, or do we not put plums in it? Because that beer was amazing." And I was like, "I've got five hundred pounds of plums, like I'm not gonna put." Yeah. And it's listed. I list all the ingredients on the back of uh, the <clears> can. <throat> Um, and it was already list. I was like, you know what? The beer is already good. It's, it does have lactose in it as well, so it does balance out that acidity. Um, I do have to send you a uh, a can with with the new twenty twenty two calendar too. So remind me to do that. I oh I will. Um, that so sounds yeah. amazing. Are you going to so, drop the base of the porter? Sorry to cut you off. Are you going to drop that porter because it's like a classic style? I feel like it's uh, porters uh, are no, amazing. The base- the base porter, um, because I put the graham crackers, um, oh, so it had it, 280 pounds of graham crackers in the group. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> well, it was a, it was a, it, it was a 25 hectolitre brew. Okay. So, um, uh, and then one of the other things that was used in that brew, which was really cool, was uh, the red shed malt. Uh, we used the black bear um, and actually did wart staining technique on it. So instead of um, we used chocolate malts in the um, uh, in the actual mash, mm-hmm. and then um, during sparge, put the uh, the black bear on top. So you're not pulling that acidity or that acridness um, mm. that you pull from from that. So it just this. Porter, and then it had the vanilla um, and it had the cinnamon and then it had the treacle um, and it was just like that. It was, the, it was, yeah, it was delightful and used an SO4 on it. So that yeast is that English yeast that throws off those beautiful esters anyway and had a high melanoid in content of, uh, of the uh, grains that was used too. So it already had this fruity, like raisiny aspect to it. Nice. Um, so I think that that will be the the Christmas release for next year. Mm. And this, what, what was this one for? Was it a Christmas one? Yeah. So it's yeah. Uh, so it's uh, in honor of my auntie Reen, who passed away last year at the grand old age of ninety six, and wow. uh, she would always make uh, plum pudding for the family for Christmas. And uh, actually, the week before she passed away of of breast cancer, she was baking for the family. And wow. um, yeah, tough old biddy. I come from uh, I, come, <laughs> I come from some some pretty gnarly uh, stock. I can tell you. Um, so yeah, so partial proceeds of that beer is actually going to be donated to the Alberta um, Cancer Foundation to their breast cancer um, campaign um, in in her honor. That's awesome, man. I love it. That's great. At least you got that. that you know, a nice little. One is a, is a great cause, but two, it's a nice switch up from, you know, you have the peach, ale, the dry hop, course, the two saisons, and then coming in with like a dessert 
to the sweet porter. Mm-hmm. I love that. And there was one more, yeah? No, that was that's uh yeah. Oh, so the coffee one. Yeah. Oh, the mates for life, of course. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> forgetting them now. There's so okay. many. All my all my babies. Um so yeah, so the Mates for Life was a very cool um collab that actually broke some glass ceilings um in the harm reduction space, specifically within the suicide prevention space. So we uh negotiated um a partnership contract with Centre for Suicide Prevention um to do this beer. It's called Mates for Life and it's in conjunction with the Buddy Up campaign, which is a campaign by the Centre for Suicide Prevention here in Calgary um, that aims at reducing the male excuse me, that aims at reducing the male suicide rate from three, uh, that's three to one currently. Um, so we got the lists um, to use the imagery and work with their verbiage and their team um, to put out this beer to have those conversations in those spaces. But traditionally, um, those collaborations have been um have been not allowed and have been stigmatized because of the stigmatization of substance use while um uh, which which has been uh, in people's systems um when they've suicided um so there's always been this stigmatization however you know 58 percent of my audience is are males um and why aren't we having the conversations within those spaces as a form of harm reduction, um, you know, with with the, the messaging and with the resources attached? Um, often those conversations that will be vulnerable and compassionate between mates will happen over a beer. So let's put that message on a can. Love it. That's awesome, man. Yep. I guess like this yep. uh, giving back is a is an important thing. It seems like there's a bit of a consistency throughout uh, a lot of the beers that you're doing, and, and that's why is that important to you to contribute back to the community? I think it's part of co- corporate responsibility um, that uh, you know corporations traditionally are. You know, and I I'm a for profit. Um, not that I hate paying myself yet. Um, yet. But I think that's part of our our responsibility as corporations and those of us who are in privileged positions um, who have a platform and have a voice to be able to use that in those spaces. So um, so doing Makes for Life, which was a which is there's still some actually left, which is a coffee British golden ale. So it's a golden ale at its base, um, which is actually my my brewing partner, Paul Heslop. Um he uh, it's it's was his it's his golden ale base. He's actually British, um, and then we bought coffee coffee from um, Dingo Roasters over here, which is another Australian in town that has a coffee roaster. Um, I should actually get some coffee and send it out to you as well. I'm um, huge. Yeah, it'd be amazing. So we we did our own blend, and uh, they roast up a bunch of uh, coffee for us, and then did a cold infusion, uh, post fermentation cold side on that. Yeah, is it? Uh, I guess we'll I'll discover it soon enough. Is it like super coffee heavy, or it's kind of more like a subtle? Uh... It's subtle. Um, I often ask people to close their eyes when they drink it. <laughs> Um, because the colour sometimes throws you off because it doesn't pour dark. And oh, most sorry. people, when they think about coffee beers, is that it's coffee forward. And everything that we do as the complexity is in the balance and the subtlety. Um, so we don't want to take it's always the style that comes first, right? Gotcha. It's not the adjunct 
that comes first for us. That's smart. Particularly in a uh, in a style like a golden ale that's lighter and like if you go, it's like you got to be a little more delicate handed with it. If you go too hard, it just might be might not work. It'll dominate. It'll be bitter. Some some crazy yep. shit like that. So I'm curious. I haven't had that many um, like the lighter kind of beers with coffee in it, aside from any white stouts, which are basically blonde ales with coffee anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, and also I think it's interesting. I don't know if you did this on purpose, but when I first have you been back? I'm obviously the last two years aside. Did you go home a lot over the last since you've been in Canada? Uh, yeah, I used to go back <clears> once <throat> a year. Once a year, okay. So when I first went back, it was interesting. I, I'd been away six years at the time, and I was looking at the Aussie beer scene after being away and not really being into it before I left. And I noticed that some of the most, I mean, this is analysis is 2016. Golden ales were one of the most popular. There was something called like a summer ale, which is, I don't even know what it was, more like a dry hop blonde or something type of thing. And they had gold, like James Squire and all that type of shit. And then they had the golden ales were super popular and pale ales. That's what people were all about. This is predating Hayes and all the other crazy mm-hmm. shit. And I just always, whenever I think of golden ales, I very much strongly associate that with Australia. Was that intentional or was that just kind of like, it was more supposed to be the British thing? Uh, no, it was uh, it was kind of the, the melding. There's a, there's a cute little fun story behind it as well from, from a, a personal perspective. So during 2020, um, you know, uh, Hez is a solo human and uh, from from the, uh, the, the British uh, part of our... Um, of our colony um and then myself and uh we happened to just by chance run into each other uh during 2020 and we don't we only kind of like would see each other around it at beer things and he's super involved in the yeast wranglers here which is the local uh home brewing uh crew and um we'd met years prior when i was working uh at a at a bar that was a beer centric bar um, downtown Calgary. And, uh, anyway, so he actually just was like, when are we going to brew together? We keep saying we're going to do it. And I was like, fuck it. Let's like do it in a month. I've like got my calendar out. We booked it in and, uh, yeah, we spent the, uh, the day brewing together. I mean, it was a shit show because we started doing uh, brewer's breakfasts, I think at 12 o'clock. And I don't know if you've ever had a brewer's breakfast before, but that's the first runnings of the wart. And then you drink that with whiskey. And then oh. we were also pouring our way. <laughs> it's so good. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> it's delicious. Um, but Hez is also really amazing at brewing Imperial Stouts. Um and uh, so we were pouring ourselves. We broke a hydrometer and I dropped all the cards out of my thing and dropped my phone in the sani. Oh, and God. they were like, <laughs> by the end of it, we like put everything together. And Hez turns around to me and goes, did we put the yeast in? And like, that's, <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a, a, like a, an ongoing joke now. But anyway, for the rest of 2020, we were each other's COVID buddies. Okay. Each other's COVID cohorts. And we actually literally saved each other's lives. Like he was going through a super rough time at the time and, um, and you know, going through a, a place of personal impasse and we kind of just ran into each other at the perfect time. And, and that's where the Mates for Life comes from um, is, you know, that that's Hez's and our personal little, you know, friendship story. That's great, man. So is he, that that was kind of what I wanted to get into. And you might've touched on this in the last one, but he does the main, like 
where you contract out of, does he actually make the beer or he designs the recipes with you and stuff like that? Oh, I know you're obviously capable of that, but like, how does that sort of work? Yeah, so Hez has a really great homebrewing homebrew setup that he's like dialed in over the last decade. Um, So I, what happens is I come up with a dumb idea, and um, (laughs) and I put together. We have a so we we do all our original recipe formulation. um, so I'll, I'll go into like Beersmith and uh, do all the recipe formulation in Beersmith. Um, and then we sit there and debate with each other. And um, he rolls his eyes at me when I have done my, and I'm like, just trust me on a couple of things. <laughs> just, <laughs> just trust me on how this is going to work. And then at the end, he's like, oh, shit, okay, yeah, that did work. Um, <laughs> go listen. Um, we, we, uh, we have very... Um, we have unique skill sets that go very well together. Um, and we bounce ideas off each other really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he definitely does eye roll, um, certain times cause he's, he's very much been a traditional brewer, um, you know, with the BJCP, um, guidelines and I don't like rules. Um, most people who know me know that I don't like rules. Um, so I don't often stick to a lot of rules and, but using, um, some scientific deduction and and hypothesis, uh, have been able to come up with some really cool, unique beer. Okay. That's dope. So everything is brewed on a homebrew and tested out first before you take it to scale. Okay. Yeah. Always. And then, yeah, I hand scale everything um, with some uh, unique kind of spreadsheets and formulas and and stuff, excuse me, that can be, um, depending on what happens on brew day, stuff that can be manipulated in the moment uh, to make sure that the outcome is the outcome that we want. Okay. And the brewery where you actually contract out of, do they does your friend um, get to actually, does he work there or is it's by them, like that team, obviously the rules might be the same in Alberta where you have to work, work there to touch the stuff essentially. Uh, no, no, that's not no. a rule here. So, oh, no, so you can no, personally brew your stuff. Oh, uh, sort of ish. Okay. Uh, not really, okay. <laughs> um, but I'm, I, I like to be there mostly, um, everything that's done at Toolshed, I'm, I'm always there. Cause that's all the one-off kind of experimental stuff. I'm always there for those, you know, first brews and really hands-on, um, with that sort of stuff in prep. Um, I'm a little bit of a control freak. So, um, yeah, there's, there's processes that <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm there for and, um, it's a little bit of a different story. I just do the Scenics Tuesday out of Field and Forge. Um, they're a super highly engineered um, team over there and system. Um, so we often just we set a date and uh, we run through some specs and we run through some details on where we're going with certain things and expectations. And then thankfully their head brewer over there, Vince, is a great friend and will continually give me updates uh, during the day, they're, they're an hour and kind of 40-ish minute drive from mm. where I am. And on roads like today, it's not always the best um, 
uh, the, the best use of, of my time or safety uh, <laughs> no. to drive out there. So, um, so yeah, so they've been, been great partners um, in doing that. I'm, I'm very lucky that and, and grateful that I have amazing allies and colleagues that I've, I've earned and garnered over the last six years professionally in industry over here. And I get to work with them now on, on different levels. And, and I'm, I'm fair like when I think, when you think about it, it's like going into a, you know, into a marriage uh, with someone and, you know, you're making, to me, I'm, I'm making babies with these people, <laughs> you know, That's that, true. that yeah. I'm, I'm putting out into the world. So um, yeah. they're extremely accountable partners. That's great. It's cool that you've got different ones as well that, yeah, I've heard that it's not always the easiest to rely on just the one brewery to do everything just in case something goes wrong and or they can't, when I say something goes wrong, meaning they, oh, no, we have this emergency, we can't fit you in now or whatever. So it's uh, I've heard that's a good thing, which is, sounds like that's what you got set up. Uh, yes, I've I've chosen partners for different reasons um the cnx tuesday being the colch that it is um i get to at field and forge they have ro and a centrifuge so um to get that clarity and to be able to manipulate the water profiles to the the places that um we want is is attainable uh it's a different story at uh at tool shed um I'm working with stuff that isn't quite as delicate um, and stuff that has a little more leeway and forgiveness in in where we can be, um, but also knowing that system um, of where it is uh, and, and the utilisation uh, both from, you know, uh, DE and hop utilisation, um, that's that's the difference. And, and Toolshed is a lot closer here. Um, they're kind of the smaller... Um, smaller batch stuff i know that when i right. say that when i'm talking in 25 and 30 hectolitre that that can be um mildly ironic um but that's the yeah that's they're the they're the reasons um and i have friends in in both places um and yeah okay that's great i love it that's really cool man it's uh it's, it sounds like you've really got like a nice little system going a real good you know bunch of uh like you said partners that you can keep accountable and make sure that they're making the best possible product because i know that can be a challenge at times yeah yeah we're also i think one of the really cool things that's come out of this as well is um we're learning from each other um we're learning different techniques and we're learning different ways to manipulate different things. We're troubleshooting, especially at Toolshed on brew days. Um, you know, we, I got, we got, well, you know, I used how many, uh, you know, pounds, hundreds of pounds of graham cracker crumble. Um, so you can imagine what that does. And also, um, you know, put husks and uh, rice husks in, but then, you know, got a stuck mash and then we had to like, reverse the sponge and then working out how to do that and bouncing ideas off each other and we're, we're actually learning a lot between us mm. um which is which has been actually a very cool process as well that's dope yeah i guess that's something that probably people don't talk about enough is like what the brewery would learn from doing something for the for their contractors for um that, that they might not be doing themselves that's dope i like that whole concept is it just you now, by the way, or do you have like a team, maybe some sales reps or anybody else? 
I, it is just me as far as um, day-to-day operations and fiduciary responsibility. Um, but uh, I did bring in sweat equity partners. Um, so I gave away 6% of my company this year. Uh, so the other person that works on it on a weekly basis with me is um, Eri Riot, who does the design. So uh, they nice. design... Um, you know, all the merch. Um, One of my best friends who is part of the um, original um, logo. Um, So I gave him part of the the company. He's also one of my best friends and has helped kept me fed and watered when I haven't been able to keep myself fed and watered. Um, And then my other friend who designs all the tap handles and pretty much acts as as an honorary sales rep. Um, so I gave them part of, not that it might, it's worth much right now, but hopefully in five to 10 years, you know, these are the people that have invested their time, tools and talent and love into myself and into the vision of Exhale. And I wanted to make sure that they're, that they're right alongside me. That's dope. I love that. I've always heard, you know, what's, what's worth more, like, you know, you can have 50% of something or 100% of nothing. So it's always smart to make sure that uh, a good business, we always try to do that as well. Anything you do, always make sure the people you're working with are taken care of, they're happy, and giving them a piece of the company is great, particularly if they started started with you and helped you build the whole thing from the ground up. That's, that's awesome, man. I love that shit. Um, yeah. I want to get to the next beer. I try usually like every 30 or so, and I wrap them up. I'm always done this one anyway. Which one should I do next? The, uh, the coffee, golden ale, the regular saison or the cherry? I imagine the regular saison. No, the coffee, coffee, the coffee British gold. Now. Okay. Yeah. It's still pretty. It's still delicate. Yeah. So okay. Really That's the one. Yeah. You're right. Can you get the, it's mm-hmm. what's it called again? Uh, mates for life. Mates for life. The coffee gold. Thank you. No, that's a great name. Yeah. Right. She loves it. Um, okay. Amazing. So, we just talked about this beer. The coffee was from Dingo. I got to look them up as well because I'm big, big, big on third wave coffee. Like I fucking love it. Do you know what I just got? I got um, uh, thank you so much. My brother in Toronto. There's a, uh, a, a an Aussie cafe called Found Coffee, and they sell. I forgot mm-hmm. the name of it, but they've uh, they're from Berwick, and they brought in the beans and they were fresh. So I've been drinking Berwick fucking up. coffee beans around the corner from Mum. It's amazing. Um, I'll double check the wow. name and I get back to you, but I'll be really stoked to, uh, to, to have that. So any coffee beans are amazing. Um, fun fact, I realized the third wave coffee was invented in Melbourne. Like that's where actually where it's from. Oh, isn't yeah, that kind of, there you go. Yeah. Didn't know that. See, we yeah. fucking changed the world. But uh, personally, I didn't even drink it while I was there. <laughs> Idiot. I've got it. A- one of the things that was really hard for me when I came here, what, night, uh, God, 2009, um, oh, I feel old now, um, <laughs> um, was just finding good coffee. Every, like this drip coffee Tim Horton shit that I was made to drink Horrendous. when I first got here. I'd walk like two kilometers, two and a half kilometers up to the Banff Springs Hotel when I was living in the Banff because there was an Aussie barista up there. Isn't everyone uh, Aussie? Knew exactly. Almost. I'm not joking. When I went there, every single person I met was Australian. It was insane. People working at Safeway, the the servers and the restaurants, like everything. It was kind of crazy. So I'm not surprised that there's an Aussie barista. Yes, continue. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Um, so, yeah, so I'd walk two and a half uh, kilometers because I just was uh, – 
yeah, I was like super like pissed that I couldn't get a good coffee. <laughs> and that's honestly, it's worth it. There's a, uh, when I first moved here though, on the other side, I guess you were a coffee drinker at home. Uh, yeah. And a cough, like, like horrible coffee snob. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm not apologize. Actually, I'm not going to even apologize for it. No, don't apologize for that. Um, I'm just going to take some notes because I like I normally do review the beer. So I was excited about it because I, I drank like hot chocolates and stuff. I just didn't really like coffee too much. So when yep. I came here, I was really excited about Tim Hortons. And uh, to be honest, like you know, uh, cool, uh, be, um, what the fuck, Labatt, Labatt Blue, and, and Canadian, all that stuff. Right? I didn't really know. I drank little creatures and stuff at home, but didn't really know and I liked it because it was Canadian so the, that got it over the line and then over time particularly moving here Montreal's the Melbourne of Canada with the yep. cafes we're right in the hub of it there's a million of them here and uh, I miss Montreal for that right oh it's probably been a while you probably wouldn't have been back since 2018 I guess right yeah yeah I mean, would have uh, I was yeah. supposed to come back for yeah for the last food uni fuck man yeah. that's of all beer, I, honestly, I've said this before in here, like I'm so over beer festivals. I'm just a beer festival out. But the only one I'd really want to go to is uh, Food Union. It's It was just the greatest experience of the lifetime. Fuck, it was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, I feel like now though, now I've discovered real coffee and I'm very passionate about it. And the same as beer. Like I can't go back. I know some beer drinkers who can go and they'll have a Budweiser and then they'll come back to the craft. Like I personally... I can't entertain that fuck shit. I've tried to like it. It's just disgusting. I don't know how you feel, but I imagine you'd be similar. Uh, no, you I drank a Labat been... Blue the other day. You posted it, and I was like, I'm going to talk to her about that. <laughs> um, Labat Blue and Chicken Fingers. That's your, that's your it's one? A, it's, it's a guilty pleasure. Um, and there's this place that does really kill our chicken fingers. They're actually like real chicken fillets, like – breaded and fried and they're amazing um and they have labat blue in like the old like well tubs that they still put the ice in um and yeah people don't know about it down there and i i had a i i had a i was it was one of those days where you like stop at the traffic lights and you have mini meltdowns um so i needed to go and have a labat blue and chicken fingers and uh, know that everything was still right in the world (laughs) is it like a comfort thing i think so you know because labat blue is the one it's like I was drinking that when I first got to Canada as well. So you have the same, like that nostalgic. Yeah. 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 And you can't be mad at that. And I'm I'm definitely not. It's actually not a shitty beer. It's actually. Really? I never liked it. Really? It doesn't have that for me. I think it has that, like, it's quite soft and, and floral um, Mm. and it's consistent. Okay. I mean, Floral is an interesting descriptor. I'm going to have to try it like, again. It's not like it's not like it's like soft, like it, like that noble hop, like creamy kind of white floral that you still get, and it's got that little bit of like minty uh, herbaceousness that comes off on the back end, but that sweet graham cracker in underneath. Like it's really not a shittily made beer. Um, it's just you're really generic. making you're talking it up. You're talking it up. It's it's not a shitty made beer. <laughs> Super consistent. It's just a big beer company, shitty big beer company. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your uh, word for it. 
we do sometimes do these videos where we have to like we you drink you know you do a little challenge and you have to drink a macro beer as punishment. So maybe I'll uh, I'll grab a blue. I got what did I do recently. I did Bud Bud Light, um, like Mill MGD or something. No, no, I, I can't do that. Any of that stuff. Like it's just like I don't know. I can't. And that was coming back to the Tim Hortons thing really quick because I'm going to talk about this beer. Um, okay. I can't go back to Tim Hortons coffee in any shape or form it's just once you have that fire third wave that's single origin and they've got this complex fruity notes and they're just money you can't drink bitter dirty like goddamn gas station water it's just disgusting to me except tim beebs justin beeb justin beeb is the goat obviously and you know his uh you know his bowls are fantastic i'm a big fan but aside from that i always find it funny pause i always find it funny when People can do that. I, I I can't go either way. I can't drink shit coffee. I can't drink shit beer. I just I can't. I, just, yeah. I have I have the nostalgia is not strong enough. But either way, I'm uh, walking a long way for a good coffee is worth it. And this is fantastic. This is exactly how you described it. It's like the coffee's on the nose, but not overwhelming. So it's still kind of fruity as well. And then well, the coffee yeah. itself has like this uh, like a, a stone fruit apricot. Um, and like pastry mm. notes to it. And then also a little, one of the other blends has like a little bit of that chocolate roastiness um, and citrus. So it was okay. a blend of those, those two different types of coffee that, uh, and chose, so it uses Triumph hops coming out of BC, okay. uh, which really complement, which you can also get those, those citrus and uh, stone fruit notes off those. And also Definitely. earthiness, mm. you get a little earthiness. Mm. Mm. I was confusing it maybe with herbal. Is there any herbal vibes or am I reading into that? Um, well, Triumph is a noble derivative. So it's the – it can be described as a bit herbal perhaps for that? It could It could have a little I bit. Think. And that could also be coming from the coffee too. Hmm. I like it. In it's the way a, it presents itself. That's awesome. This is great. Definitely not what I expected it to be. Like on paper, the – just like the beer you were just drinking, the Nickelbrook one sounds kind of fucked up, but it just works. <laughs> this doesn't sound fucked up, but it sounds like, ooh, this could go either way. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, you, you made this work, and I love that the 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 the, the tie, and I guess obviously the um, the not for profit stuff, which is consistent for you as we were saying. But the the Aussie coffee is money. I love that; it makes me very very happy. Um, I discovered this dude. I can't say how because I'll get in trouble, but I discovered this dude who's from Ottawa and he's a, uh, a singer, like an R&B singer. And he was, um, I heard his voice and he kind of sounds like, you know, Chris Stapleton. Yeah. Yeah. So he sounded like him. I'm like, what the fuck? But I didn't know he was Aussie. So I checked out his Instagram and it sort of like the way he had it, the, the top in his bio, it had like, you know, a, a this tribe living on this ground. So I was like, okay, maybe he's indigenous Canadian. I'm like, okay, sick. So I checked, l- looking through, I'm like, all right, listen to his music. I'm like, this dude is amazing. Then I saw him wear a hoodie that had uh, the Australian indigenous flag on it. And I was like, ah, oh, cool. He's like repping for the Aussies. I'm like, hang on a second. I went to his thing and listened to him talk and he's Australian. And his name's Mikhail Laxton. M I K A J L. Instagram? Connected on. Oh, yeah, but I'm on Spotify because I think I follow you on Spotify. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you right now. Um, like, I've been bumping it. I'm yeah, so impressed. What's the best way? Messenger. Messenger? Uh, mess- either way, yeah. Either way, but uh, please send me the links because I'm always looking for cool new shit to listen to. 
I'm doing it as we talk right now. He's just. By the I way, just, I loved. I yes. loved your last album. Thank you very much, man. It was uh, man, so much stress, so much work. As uh, you know, I guess you know how all these things go. But I'm happy that it's your out. Babies. It's the baby. It's the baby, and there's you know many years in the making. Uh, just I just text that to you. But it's it's great. I'm I'm happy. The response was great. I'm uh, I'm satisfied with that now. So we've still more videos coming. We got like a deluxe version with five new tracks and a little mini BTS doco thing we're putting together. So you know you got to keep the content coming. Amazing. Yeah, man, it's a lot, but it's nice. It's great. I'm happy. Thank you. Um, so this yeah, is super dope. Uh, yes, John? you've been pushing some like limits. I, like it's been really cool to watch uh, watch you both. Uh, pop up on you know YouTube feeds and uh, suggested content and stuff. It's you yeah, it's it? been really really cool. What was oh, suggested? Yeah. Like the high and season pe- stuff? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. It's it's growing nicely. Like we're uh, the the YouTube community is the best thing. Honestly, the YouTube's the best thing that ever happened to us. For that, it's the greatest shit ever, dude. Like I can't express how how. Like the 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 joy, the sheer joy we get from somebody commenting, like who's a new business owner, like oh my gosh, I just started these, are so helpful. I didn't know any of this stuff. Thank you, and like really just you know just a comment from nobody who's paying us, and then getting the check and doing something for a client is just it doesn't even compare. It's it's really crazy what how that can make you feel that you're helping people at scale because you can go one to one, people can pay you, cool, but you can help people on mass either through the free content and then moving that where yeah. um, next year we want to move into courses and things like that and sort Very of cool. just into education it's just something nicer you know like it's a different vibe but it's cool right it's cool to sort of try and do as many different things as possible and like just just like you've been doing with all the the charitable stuff there like giving back and and yeah. uh, you know like we start I think I oh I should get you involved in the next one do you, do you know about link up did I ever talk to you about that no. Link up to our, we started a nonprofit last year. No. Okay. What year is it? 2021. It's this year. <laughs> Fuck. What's, what's my name? Yeah. I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't know why I just had a spare. Cause you know what it's like, you know, you get to December and you're like, Fuck, what, what, what's what? We started one. Basically we're trying to diversify the uh, craft beer industry. Oh, you're busting out that one. Yes. Do it. Yeah. The Spas, uh, the blueberry, guava and passion fruit. No, it's not over the top. There's a touch of lactose in there. It's a little, little stronger than the last version we did. Did I think? Did I send you some of that too? Yeah, this is the one you sent me. You've sent, you sent me this. You sent me this twice, though. Yeah, so, so that was the new version. The last year, that was the year oh, before. Okay. That's why it wasn't. It's not the same batch. We do it every year, and this was the okay. first time we've done a variant in a can. So that one just that one just dropped. Um, but okay, yeah, you, tell me about your yes. lineup. So we're going to be, we're going to, I'll be quick because we're kind of just having a personal conversation and recording it at this point. The link up uh, is a it's we partnered with a brewery called Sankey and Baron. They're in uh, Aoma, Quebec. Yeah, it's a nice color. And um, basically, we're trying to diversify the craft beer industry. The main problem is everybody looks like me, white dudes with beards, and obviously, craft beer is for everybody. Every taste, uh, every culture, everyone can love beer, and we need to change it. So we're doing uh, the way that we raise funds. We collaborate with breweries. They make a beer, just call it Link Up. Excuse me. Doesn't we don't interfere with what the beer is at all? I'm not sure if this is even a fit for you. Just putting it, let it marinate. Um, and we do those. We do a series of six collaborations. We did our first lot in August, September. Next one starts in second week of January. Basically, doing once every quarter. 
So that raises raises the funds. It probably works out to be about a thousand bucks per thing per brewery, depending on the size of the batches and all that type of stuff. And then they would basically one it increases the reach. We promote on our side, the brewery promotes on their side, so the reach goes. The idea is that the brewery would become sort of like a partner where like if you need if there was any jobs that you have or anything that you need for for a position you need filled, you'd send it to us and we'll post it through our job board. If we have potential applicants who we want to hook up with, we got um, uh, scholarships from Cicerone. So we've put five people through the scholarship so far. Um, we've got one left and then we're just going to use our funds to pay for any if they want to go to level two and so on and so forth. So we help people bring people into the industry um, and also help people get jobs. We can offer them an apprenticeship. So say if there was a person to basically buy POC, so pretty wide spectrum of just trying to introduce more people to the beer industry. If there's someone who's in Calgary and you're one of our Calgary partners and they want to do a one month brewery fucking apprenticeship, I'd be like, Christina, we'll pay for this person's wage. They can just come and brew with your partners on brew day or whatever it might be and shadow you or whatever, whatever it is. We can organize it depending on what they want to do. Whether they want to work in hop farms, we have hop, um, hop farm partners we're talking to yeast companies, canning companies, anything, just everything around, in and around beer to try and bring people in at every level, whether it's front of house through Cicerone, back of house through the uh, production, so on and so forth. So, I love it. We're yeah. doing some similar stuff over here as well and conversations that I started with someone last year. Um, and we have a couple of groups here and also I'm working on the um, uh, um, diversity and inclusion um committee with uh, Alberta Small Brewers here Sick. and we're looking to do some very similar things. So yeah, let's definitely connect more that on that. Could, you know what? And we're absolutely down. Uh, you know, the more of us that work together on the same thing, we could just partner up potentially with that and then make it even stronger. Fuck. Yeah. But yep. we want it to be global. We're, not, we're starting Ontario, Quebec, because that's where we're based. But the idea is is a, a global thing. So, okay. Yeah. Amazing. I love Perfect. it. Look at this. All coming together. But no, this beer is, is great. You really did a good job, man. Like this is a, a very unique uh, product. This is great. So this is only available uh, now. There's still some left because it was from a couple months ago. Um, yep. And it's going to be back again next year for those who might have missed that. Uh, yeah, probably going to be back. We've got it uh, hopefully going to bring in more people next year. So the cool. idea was to get this one out and uh, see how we went. And then uh, we're going to reconvene as a committee. So I sit on the committee for the Buddy Up campaign uh, leading up. So Buddy Up month is actually June. Okay. Um, so we sit on that committee and, and we have some fairly in-depth um, uh, committee meetings leading up to that. And one of the projects I think I'll be taking on is doing a um, – either Alberta-wide uh, and or nationally-wide uh, campaign for Mates for Life. Love it. Anywhere we can signal boost, keep you posted. That's amazing. Amazing. Killing it. That's beautiful. So the other thing, now we've sort of talked about the business. I wanted to do that first. So you've had a pretty interesting week, as you were saying, uh, on Instagram. You you know, do you, I'll just let you t- talk about it. Talk about it because it's, it's, I think it's an important thing for the industry and sort of like not even just beer. You're actually sort of, you know, there was similar thing that happened whenever it happened because time doesn't matter anymore, probably earlier this year or something overall in beer. But this is, seems to be like in beer, but the adjacent businesses that are sort of being held accountable for their actions. So I'll, I'll let you break it all down. Yeah, I mean, I got my first hospitality industry job at 18. And uh, so that was 21 years ago. 
<laughs> almost 22 years ago. Look at um, us, old farts. Oh, God. Um, so over the course of that time, um, it, you know, I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on some pretty heavy shit here. Okay. So, um, hashtag content warning. Um, yeah, could be traumatic for some people and there's trigger warnings. Um, over the course of that time, um, I was stolen from, from managers and, um, and bosses. Um, I was groomed. I was raped. Um, Jesus. I, uh, uh, not paid um, for a time that I worked. Um, yeah, there was a lot of abuse um, and something that we keep seeing, and this is not just at a local industry level, this is on a global level. Um, we still have an old boys club uh, within the hospitality industry mm. um, where so-called hospitality geniuses um, or people are so ingrained within the culture as individuals are excused, um, their behaviour is minimised and the people who they harm are expendable. Mm. Um, unfortunately, my experiences within the Calgary hospitality industry have not been always great um and there were warning flags put up to a previous employer uh six years ago when i was working uh for them around an individual that is still within their company unfortunately um but the other thing is that now as an old bitch um that has become the person that i needed to be for myself all mm. those years ago um I can now, when I hear of the abuse and I hear of somebody now getting more opportunity and investors because of their place of privilege and power and haven't been held accountable for their shitty actions, um, I have held some people in local industry who are very well known um, accountable for... A, their actions, but also called out another, you know, one of my previous employers to help call out somebody else accountable that they've invested in. Um, it is being seen by that group as a personal attack and it's not. Um, these people have far greater pull and far greater weight behind them that if we can call to attention uh, the insidious nature of grooming and the way in which the hospitality industry makes excuses for men mostly um, and the way in which the industry has treated those in subservient or less privileged positions as expendable, if we can get those big partners to wake the fuck up, um, smell the cheese, which is rotting in the fridge, uh, and do something about it, and then start holding their owners, the other owners within industry accountable for not covering shit up 
and not allowing these misdemeanors um, to be minimized, then maybe we can get somewhere. And I think one of the other things that's opened up is we need a, it's good to see, you know, this previous employer a couple of months ago um, has brought in a third party since there was another incident. Uh, unfortunately, I've heard some other things that have recently gone down. Um, the uh, What we actually need is a collaborative joint industry standard um, program uh, that gives people essentially a seal of approval that they've gone through um, certain training and have adopted certain programming that um, allow for uh, greater representation, inclusion, diversity, and more so creating safe spaces for everyone. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and, and the industry, the individual who I personally called out um is the owner of a new bar is that just opened up here and there are a, a list of investors and and well-known people within the community um that probably don't want to hear that um and i've had some people reach out saying that what i'm saying is a lie but these people are coming from places of privilege um, and not hearing the direct stories. And since I made that post, um, I've had other people come forward about this individual um, around other abusive, um, abusive power uh, behaviour over the course of years, um, mostly women in service roles, um, some men. So I had one guy uh, message me and say, you know, I worked with that piece of shit, um, you know, years ago. So thank you so much for for bringing this. But it, you know, it, this stuff comes at some. It, it comes at personal cost because now I've put my business on the line um, mm. with some very major players, and I've made some some people mad. Were they um, accounts of yours? Yeah. Uh, well, I had already um, decided not to work with um, some certain accounts because of individuals within that, an individual within that business that made that place unsafe for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I already kind of consciously made that decision that I wasn't going to work with them while that individual was there. And I keep hearing stories that, that individual is still making places unsafe. Um, and one of the things that I said in the post is that I won't work with this new bar, not that they were an account already. Um, and I won't work with the people who, you know, as, as a supplier, that is, I will work with people to try and find a solution, but I won't work with them as a supplier or put my name and business attached to their name mm. and business until certain things happen. And that is, i.e. otherwise in a separation from that, this harmful individual that I called out um, and or that they have a third party come in and do an audit and implement uh, inclusion, diversity and safety training. 
um, that is ongoing work that needs to be done. One of the great things that has come out of it is the conversation A, around um, education and rehabilitation of individuals who have caused harm because I do believe that you can't tell someone to go away because um, going away is not a solution. Going away is still a place, right? It is not... A way is still a place to be harmed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a way is still a place. So how do we re-educate and how do we um, make advocates out of people um, who have caused harm and and switch? Because that's when we change the cultures and we change the narratives. Mm. Um, but also the other part of the conversation is how do we as suppliers and producers have vertical accountability? You know, we talk about how we're holding ourselves accountable. Um, as individuals and or individual businesses, but how are we holding that accountability vertically? Mm, across that the industry. Ver- yeah, that is vertically between other breweries um, and that is vertically between our account partnerships because often the narrative has been that our accounts have us by the balls, mm, how so? so to speak. Um I mean, you know, there's the whole nature around inducements and that somehow because they buy our stuff, you have we to owe have... them. We owe them. Gotcha. We have to placate and be complicit. And that is not the case. No, we no. don't have to placate and we shouldn't be complicit. No. Um, so and, and that for myself and for Exhale is, you know, we're – we're about inclusion and diversity and giving voices and having those really hard fucking conversations that make people uncomfortable um, because they need to be having our spaces. Um, so I saw an individual that has, I've just heard so many horrible stories and I know has had sexual assault grievances um, and has so been close. covered up and made excuses for, and it's been minimized. And um, they've had the opportunity to open another bar and be put in positions of power where that can continue again. And I was like, fuck that. Like, if mm. I let that go, knowing that somebody else could be harmed in those ways, um, and I did that knowingly and just sat back and did nothing about it i yeah i couldn't live with that yeah it's not okay so it's not okay it's not it's not fucking okay no it's not so i mean look props to you for for going in on this i mean obviously you're just doing whatever feels right then so then what would i mean obviously we had the I don't know what, what what to call it. Like people called it the BME two thing. I don't I don't know. If, I feel like that's diminutive a little bit though. Like it was a pretty you know that's important thing, and there were so many things shared. You know what I'm talking about, right? With um. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The rat magnet. Yep. 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 So that was a pretty big deal in beer that spurned the Brave Noise collabs that sort of mm-hmm. started popping up. They did what? Not a huge uptake though. Similar to Black is Beautiful, like out here in Canada and stuff. Uh, which sort of shows where the industry's head's at because every single one of them jumped on the um, altogether uh, other half one when the start of the pandemic. But, you know, Black is Beautiful was a slow uptake and then it seems like Brave Noises as well. So obviously there's a ton of work to do. So it seems like that kind of set the stage and not that anything was okay, but it felt like there was more awareness. But obviously there's a lot more work to do 
particularly locally and particularly, like you said, within the partners because it seemed to only be focused on breweries. I'm not sure if you could speak more to that, but mm-hmm. that was what, from what I saw and read and there's a whole bunch of articles I read about that and it was, you know, it was mostly just on the brewery. So I think you made a fantastic point that the, the people who sell your beer also have the same problem. I've worked in hospitality. I've seen how people are treated. I've been treated like shit, obviously nowhere near what you're talking about, but I know the dismissiveness of being a, you know, a lonely server or service worker. I know how that feels. And I can only imagine being female when most of the bosses are male and like to probably wield that power. A lot of them were dick swinging. And what, some of them were my friends and treated me like I was shit. We were equals back in the day working at another job. And this one dude was my boss at another restaurant down the track and he treated me like shit. And I was like, wow, these motherfuckers are crazy. So as you were speaking, whilst I could never even remotely understand what you went through or what anyone else in that position went through who are uh, women, I understand at least to a degree what these motherfuckers are like. These men, they're manipulative. This hospitality industry is fucked. It's really weird. I can't speak to breweries because I haven't worked in them, but hospitality is fucked and there's so much work to be done there. So I don't know if you want to expand on that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Um, I think one of, one of the words that comes up is there's this feeling or narrative around that they're untouchable. And what... Yeah. Um, a friend of mine said to me, because I was I was fucking mad when I found out. I was so fucking mad. Um, and I had the conversation with a very dear friend and he said to me, but Christina, who is going to hold these people accountable? Mm. These people are industry veterans and have got their claws in, in so many places. Who's going to hold them accountable? And I was like, these people aren't fucking untouchable. Mm. Like they, they are not untouchable. What? We're not, nobody else is going to touch them because they're so scared of losing an account. Well, guess what? You're complicit in mm. this. You know about this and you're contributing to putting those people into positions without the accountability to change where they are, the amount of interaction that they have and how we hold them accountable to re-educating and rehabilitating themselves in not treating people like shit. What? I mean, like, what, so then, you know, what, what, I don't know if you have any thoughts on a solution, because obviously this isn't a one little thing that's going to solve it. It's going to be consistent work for many people over time, and there's going to be a series of things that need to be done. But I feel like it's more complex when you're referring to the, the, the industry as a whole, as you say, the vertical, the whole industry. Like, what do you have any yeah. thoughts on what could be done? I mean, you mentioned something before a little bit, maybe about like the training, but that, like, that's cool. I don't know. I don't really fuck with the hey, kitty, kitty gang. <laughs> I, I don't really like, I feel like the training is like, it's like lazy to me. It's like, a, it's like a cop out. Like, even people doing the DEI training for like, you know, don't be racist. Like, it's like cool, but it's, it feels full, like it falls flat. Like it doesn't feel like there's, it's enough. And I think that if there's, a, there's men in power who have sexually assaulted women in the past and are, even, and, and are essentially enabled to do so, like how does one even begin to stop unless you yeah. starve them at the source? Well, see, sexual assault doesn't always just happen at the point of, of contact at the point of the events, right? Grooming happens mostly between men and that happens when men are in positions of power or women are in positions of power and groom young individuals with 
with you know booze and drugs and sex and and whatever else and wheeled people into a certain um place where they are manipulated into subservience um and if they you know then then those people won't hold you know the, the people in power accountable because supposedly they're their friends. Well, that's what you mean. Um, okay. Inter- I never thought about that. So they just, it's, it's like, yeah. I think of the grooming more than the, you know, they get a young one and they groom them to do the sex shit. But you, that's another way to look at it. That they- there is, there is a psychological groom. It's the same kind of thing. It's a psychological grooming that Ooh. you, get you on bring side. people into a certain, yeah. And then mm. you can pretty much get away with what Anything you want. Like and then you also get your way with, and, you know, often young women haven't been taught, uh, you know, boundaries or haven't learnt how to hold certain boundaries or understand the, um, the nature of being taken advantage of. Mm. Yeah, because they wouldn't really understand it yet. And so when also... You know, one of the things that I faced as I was older and, and going back into the hospitality industry here is I knew all about that shit already. So you couldn't be fucked um, with? I couldn't be fucked with. And yeah. uh, I didn't play into the games and I didn't play into the charm. And uh, it's how I ended up with all the clopens, which I don't know if you have clopens over there where you close the bar down and then you reopen it for breakfast the next morning. Uh, oh, um, clopens. Yeah, I've heard. I've, had, yeah. Yeah. I've done that before, and yeah. it's usually illegal. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it like doesn't um, have to be twelve hours between the shifts, and often you close at three a.m. You have to be there at like eleven or something or ten. To yeah, open sometimes like nine or ten. Yeah. So, um, you know, because I didn't go to the after parties at at the the manager's house, and because I um, didn't laugh at his poor jokes that made fun of other team members that uses inappropriate sarcasm and essentially it was a bully mm. um, and called him out on it, uh, then I was on the outer and mm. I had people within the team coming to me crying, not knowing what to do and, and you know, brought it to higher-ups and it was minimized and the individual ended up getting a promotion and being shipped off to another city uh, and then being given training and stuff. But at the end of the day, that person has continued to harm uh, harm and charm. Right. Which is, um, that's fine. But, but that is like, the reason for my post was because I found out about another individual had been given more opportunity after misdemeanors at a, at another local really well-known venue and uh, had essentially been excused from that venture and then was reinvested in uh, by a bunch of other privileged individuals um, and put back into a position to be able to continue cycles without accountability and that makes my stomach turn yeah it's fucked up man. so what i mean obviously you're bringing attention to it via the the posts and stuff that you're able to you know to 
you rolled the dice and you know took the any of the heat on you, like you said, put your name and your uh, business in the firing line there for that. Is there like a, and I know this is like deeper quote, is there anything that should happen first? Like what, what's the next step to sort of stop this? Uh, I think we've had some really cool conversations around that re-education and rehabilitation piece. Um, I think the first thing is, you know, standing up to the plate and admitting that there's been grievances and that there's been harm done. And is that from the business or from the individual? From all individuals. All, all I think that that needs to happen. Um, the vulnerability, I believe in that, is really powerful. Um, and if that happens, I would meet that definitely meet that with compassion and I would be the first person to support um, the re-education and rehabilitation of those people and those businesses Um because I think that that's something that needs to be done as well. We, like, like the shame game, the ongoing shame game also doesn't work. It actually yeah. um, perpetuates um, shitty behavior. What's in a way is not a way is still a place. Um, so I think that's one of the one of the big things. Um, the other thing is that came out of that post was people sent me private messages saying that they never thought that they'd ever been seen or heard and they were just dismissed and forgotten about. And these individuals have gone on to create success and fortune um, and the people who were expendable get to live with the abuse Mm. for the rest of their lives. Right. Essentially, um, so you know, the, I think the first piece is definitely getting those conversations happening, getting the big pull from the big players into those conversations, and forcing those conversations with other big players and mm. with other industry professionals, holding each other accountable. Um, that is, I think, that is the biggest step. Um, and making those who have been left unseen and unheard feel seen and heard. Hmm. I like that. I feel like that's probably the most sensible way to attack it to begin with, and you can kind of move from there. But I guess it all starts with, uh, you know, admitting the wrongdoings from both the individuals and from the companies to make sure that they're held as a, held accountable, as opposed to letting them flourish in their fuckery. Mm-hmm. So that's a big one, man. I like that. Letting them flourish in their fuckery. I'm sorry using it, that. Please take it. Take that one. But that, that, that's really fucked up. But, you know, good, good on you for, um, you know, obviously you, you shouldn't put the whole cause on your back. Hopefully it's, there's, there's other folks supporting you out there specifically because it sounds like it's a – obviously it's an endemic thing across the industry but hyper-local in what you're specifically referring to. Um, but it could, once again, if enough people in different places are held accountable, I imagine that would spread and, and – more positive positive outcomes would uh, result from all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, if anybody's listening to this and you are a manager or an owner within industry and you want more information um, around how you can not be part of the problem or how you think that uh, you can potentially support what's going on here, then please reach out. Yeah, I really, yeah, the support would, the more the more people and the more voices we have around this, the better because, once again, it's those who have been abused doing the heavy lifting. Yeah, and that's really not, uh, 
not optimal. Thank you so much in any shape or form or, uh, you know, what it's, it, it doesn't work that way. It, you know, everyone needs to lift each other up and stuff and it can't just be those who are affected by it just being uh, doing. So hopefully the industry gets their shit together because it's pretty fucked up and it's sad that it's a, you know, there's so many, look at all the conversations we have to have around, you know, misogyny, sexual abuse, racism, like fucking hell, man. Can we just, can we just be chill? Like what's everyone's damn problem? It's, it's just wild. The, uh, this industry is very interesting, eh? Yeah, it is. I mean, the T-shirt that you're wearing, the reason why we designed that Just Be Fucking Kind is for those reasons. Just be fucking kind. So hard. Be, uh, yeah, be, be good people. Try not yeah. to be a see you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> In the negative way because there's some really – In the negative way. <laughs> I would think – I'm not going to say it. I'm going to try not to reverse it. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, it is time for the next one. So now, is this the award-winning bad boy? This is the award-winning bad boy. It just keeps getting better and better in that can. That diastatic yeast is phenomenal. It's the B134 from for me. I love dry, like some brewers hate um, dry yeast, but I I love it. Uh, I've been working with it for years and – knowing how to work with it in in very particular ways i love it this is it's amazing so did you we, get that did you get that berry like bubble gummy lemon balm goodness off the top of that? i yeah. did i did a and little then, like this the spice oh, yeah. comes in underneath i think i went a little heavy-handed with the politics gonna take the photo <laughs> try and change it up from the poor shots uh, you can top it up if you need to as well. It's going down. No, it smells great. Nice, uh, nice look. What's the name? What's the deal with the name? I meant to ask you. Oh yeah. So um, the series is a tribute to Rage Against the Machine. Um, okay. Who I, and yeah. they were, yeah, they weren't raging against white goods. Is a commentary on how in 2020, when people found out, apparently it took them 20 years to find out, uh, find out that uh, Rage Against the Machine was not raging against the white goods. In fact, they were raging against a broken system. Um, So it's a commentary on they weren't raging against white goods Um, and uh, how long it took people to come to that realisation. So not not an actual machine but the machine. Yeah, the the big machine. Um, So there's actually a little blurb on the back that gives the, the story around that. Amazing. I love it. I like that the uh, the can. I know. I mean, your people will see it shortly when they bust out the next one. Oh, the heads! It's just topped it up. The head is like the isn't it beautiful? Yeah. I like as soon as I saw that you did a saison. I thought you, what you mentioned earlier that it wasn't super like, you know, popular that as a style in Alberta because it's not in Ontario either. But it is here, obviously, as you know, in Quebec, it's farmhouse mm-hmm. beers are, are pretty massive. So I feel like there's a I imagine there'd be like a nice little, I don't want to say subset to minimalize it, but like to be like a real little community of fucking heavy Saison fans, I imagine. Thank you. Oh, yeah. They'd like, are like excited as shit for this. Thank you so much. Like, yeah, look, sorry. The head's kind of gone down a little bit, but you know, top that picture. Um, <laughs> yeah. Woo. Look at that, mate. That is produce right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the, the Saison fans must be like eating it up. Yeah. Um, the fun thing, though, about this beer is that uh, the non-season drinkers were loving it. Like keen as well. Love it. 
Yeah, because it doesn't have that kind of traditional grassiness. Um, and sometimes you get that ammonia that can come off some seasons or like they're fermented too high for too long and they are a uh, phenolic mess. Um, yeah, I don't like the phenols. I'm not a fan either. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh, it's the, the phenols come in subtle in underneath, um, and yeah, something once again that uh, I really love about saisons as well is that they they change over t- they they change over time, and if you've done it right, they get better. Usually, that is the case too. And the, yeah. you did mention that was interesting. This was one of the few that were in a can um, for the awards. Is that right? It's the only one that was in a can that won the award. Okay. And that's one of the things we think, you know, that the farmhouse needs to come in a bottle. But if you've ever been out to uh, Hermit Thrush um, out in Battleborough in Yes, um, I haven't been, but I went to their beers, yeah. So they are, everything they do is in a can and it's all mixed ferment and barrel aged. Yes. And everything is canned. Right. So their shit is like enamel ripping, like it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it was more like um, I don't think it's strange at all. By I've had million you know saisons out of cans. It was uh, I think it's an interesting point that you brought up though, that you know, this was the only canned one, and I, you know maybe historically it's worth noting that canned beer was looked down upon as not as sophisticated or as well put together as a bottle of beer. And this style is typically you know you can go to Belgium, you're not really going to find too many farmhouse beers in a can or whatever yep. you want to call them. So. I don't, yeah, I think that – were you – for the, the – why did you go for the can, I guess, is what I want to know for this one. Was it just because that um, was what your producers worked with and it was easy? Yeah, process. I mean, eventually I'd love to be – like when – when, not if, when um, I have my own space and, and brew house, uh, hope, hopefully be able to bottle condition a bunch of um, cool saisons. Um but for, you know, the season series um, for now and, and probably for a while, we're still going to be releasing seasons in a can because, once again, it's that accessibility piece, right? Like yeah. not everybody's going to buy something for a bottle because things in bottles aren't – people don't feel that it's, as, it's, it's too fancy or it's too expensive or it's – you know what I mean? Like keeping that accessibility piece around craft beer because we're terrible, um, hideous snobs. Um, we need to remember that we need to pull our head out of our ass and uh, that the accessibility around these kinds of styles can be important to the markets that we keep them open to. Yeah. I think and the demographics. Point. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point, particularly with um, the bottles versus cans thing is interesting. I've noticed lately, I don't know if you've seen it out there, but there's been a bit more of a trend that breweries who are known for, say, making stuff in 750s, have started making the same beers in three three seventy five or three thirty mil bottles, which I like. Small Pony in Ottawa. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. They're uh, just do barrel aged sours. They all do seven fifties, but then they brought out these three seventy fives, and it's money because mm-hmm. it's it's like yep. the other one. It's, it's a little much. I don't know if I want seven hundred fifty mil of anything, even if it's five percent. It's just a lot. You know, it's particularly these sours that are, like I said, these enamel ripping sours. But the smaller bottles, I'm like, this is. Per-. I had one recently, and I was like, this is perfect. It's all. It's exactly what I needed. So, like, I feel that there's, and you know, due to the pandemic, and obviously this year is like fucking roller coaster. Even out here in Ontario, they're all changing stuff all the time. And 
there's less opportunity to sit with people and share a big bottle like we you know, typically would do in the past. So I'm appreciative of those smaller bottles. Even if they're 500 mil, you can either share that or you can still neck that to yourself. Like, you know, I feel like there's time and place for everything. But either way, the bottle culture, I think, isn't totally going away. But they, I think you're 100% right that they are, uh, yeah, that accessibility, much easier in the can. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, Blind Man Brewery have started putting out their Imperial, some of their really cool Imperial stouts in the little <laughs> tiny stubbies. Um, I think that they are a 210 mil, I believe. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's super cool. Particularly, I was talking to someone recently about this, and apparently I've seen them before, but I couldn't tell you a brewery, but in the States they have like eight-ounce cans. You know like those mini mm-hmm. Coke cans that they used to give on airplanes mm-hmm. or whatever? Like them joints. That's interesting. That's what because uh, Blind Man that, are doing. That's Blind Man doing. Okay. Maybe you told yep. me about this. Maybe we talked about it. I don't remember. But I just think it's such a dope idea because I've been trying, like the 10%, oh, like, you know, I imagine, I don't know what your beer drinking thing is like, but just like all of us, we all end up with a bunch of shit in the cellar unintentionally. Beer just comes in and out. It's just the part of how we all work. And you end yep. up with all this stuff. Because you can't always drink it. So I end up just sort of stockpiling unintentionally a whole bunch of larger bottles of stouts. I'm like, fuck, man, I'm never going to drink these 10, 11, 12. <laughs> like, when am I going to drink it? So I started to make it like a stout Wednesday. And Tiff was <laughs> because I'm not supposed to drink. So I won't drink until like, we're like night hours. We don't like get up yep. a bit late, go to bed late. So around, you know, like 11 p.m. or something, like after dinner, done all that, then it'd be like, all right, end of the night, then you finish it with a stout. And I would either have one by myself because I can, if you haven't had any beer, you can drink a 10% stout, 500 mil, you don't barely feel anything because you've eaten and it's just mm-hmm. one. Uh, if it's Tiff dessert. Splits, it's dessert, exactly, very tasty dessert. Otherwise, if Tiff splits it with me, I'll have a couple. So I've been able to work my way through the cellar lately and I've really... I've enjoyed it so much more than I thought I would that that's just so many flavors that I would on a normal night. Obviously, you don't have the same problems as me, I guess, because I've got things that I'm required to document. So then there's like mm-hmm. pressure to drink shit and I can't really justify. I don't want to drain it if I can avoid it. So I would don't want to drink a 10% fucking stout after I've had four other beers. It's just not happening. I'm, a, I'm too soft for that. So, like, having them on this one specific night has helped, you know, anyway, helped you sort of uh, appreciate that one. Amazing. Is- Speaking of documentation, I do need to take a photo here. Hang on. Yes. Oh, wait, give wait, us, wait. Give us, give us a... There we go. Okay. Good. Got it. Speaking you- of documentation. <laughs> you need it for the social. You need it. Um, yeah, this is, this is a question about this. Are you supposed to pour all the, is there a sediment at the bottom? There potentially could be, but... Am I supposed to pour it? Probably not. Probably yeah, not. I am. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Is it, yeah what, totally. What's, it's you a know farmhouse. What? I so can you... put it in there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> do you know why I asked? I had a... Um... <laughs> well, because that's why. Because the farmhouse, I'm confused. Because I don't drink them very often. It's not really my thing. And I drink a lot of haze. And the haze, you're supposed to fucking boom, 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 and get every little bit. I had a... Um... Is it called Durank? Like the Belgian... Yep. Yep. And... I poured it. I was splitting it with Tiff's cousin who lives here. And uh, he, I poured it into, I think it was this glass too. And it was completely opaque. 
And I took the photo and uh, was posting it. Someone's like, why is it opaque? I'm like, I don't know. I pour it. And they go, did you pour the sediment in? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, nah, dickhead. You're not supposed to fucking do that. I'm like, oh. I'm so used to drinking haze. You just So I wasn't sure what, what's appropriate anymore. I'm- I mean, it's up to you. Um, I kind of think that that adds, depending on the beer, like, I like drink it. it with that and then pour it in. Like it can add different dimensions and complexities. I mean, as long as not, you're not getting a ton of autolysis. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, then you're okay. Yeah. All right, just check yeah. it because uh, sometimes the brewer intends for it to be a certain way, um, and you know I don't want to you know I want to respect and uh, abide by that. You know what I'm saying? Drink, drink it how you fucking like it. I like your vibes. I like it. <laughs> oh, this is dope. It's, like this, it's the kind of same thing with whiskey. People are like, oh, you can't put water in it, or you can't put ice in it. Drink it how you fucking like it. Like at the end of the day, who Doesn't gives? Matter. Like I'm a whiskey drinker and. Yeah. So my cat is looking at me like you just moved. Um, <laughs> uh, drink it. How you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Look, here she is. Hey, uh, cutie, cutie. <laughs> uh, drink it. How you fucking like it? Okay. Fuck everybody else. I like it. I like your vibes. Yeah, that's 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 the way it's going to be. <laughs> I respect it. So I can see why this is. So what was the category to this one? Was it like just straight uh, farmhouse? Farmhouse and saisons. Yeah. Farmhouse and saisons. Okay. So this would be a uh, like. Once again, this is not my strongest suit as far as like the breadth of these ones, so I can never really pick them as well. But from what I know, this is like a really classic Belgian style, very dry, which I love, not overly sweet or anything like that. Everything you described them with the lemon balm and the berries, um, minimal if not if no fennels. Is there no fennels? Fennels the banana, right? No, there is there is fennels. No, a banana to go call come off. Um, not there shouldn't be in a in a saison yeast. Okay. Um, it's but, the bubble gum. Uh, yeah. It's it's the it's the bubble gum that'll come off, and they're they're esters. So anything that's fruity esters will come up with the spice thinking. spices the the phenols. Okay. Um, but I like the spice the phenols spices. to be supportive rather than upfront. Okay. Um, in the saisons that I do. But it, once again, I've taken a classic style and used a, a New World Frenchy hop coming out of the Alsace region, which yes. is traditionally known for for Old World. It's a New World hop cow- coming out of Old World wine region. And that's the Bar Rouge, right? That's the Bar Rouge. Yes, that's a great yep. one. It uh, doesn't have – oh, that has strawberries. It tastes like strawberries. Yes, yeah. fucking – because I, I guess I never really thought about it being used in a beer like this. I know that uh, – oh, you know Emily Le Petit Pierre? You know Emily, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. kind of conversed a little bit on Instagram. Yeah, she's hella cool. So she did a collab with Overhop, who you connected with mm-hmm. recently, that uh, I saw you grab. They got some of their stuff. Hey, yes. Yep. That is a little old right now, but someone had it recently, and they said it was drink- – a brewer friend of mine who works at Blood Brothers, and he said it's uh, drinking really well, and I thought he would be – he would tell me for sure if it wasn't. And I was like, God – um, but yeah, Emily used it in the collab with Overhop, and I remember okay. Patty was saying that like, yo, we had to go all these places to get this hop, but it's got this wicked strawberry thing that uh, is super key. So I guess that's where the berries are coming from. Well, if they ever need more, let me know. I have a I have a tap and source into some very cool French hops coming out of uh, new regions, and hopefully, going to get my hands on some experimental stuff next year. I love um, it coming out of the same region. Yeah. The berries, I don't know, maybe because we're talking about it, I'm getting it more and more now. It's great, man. This is like a, a nice little, almost like a gateway saison, would you say, that sort of, it's classic. It's not 
it, it's just money. It's just kind of like on the on the note exactly what it needs to be with some really fantastic flavors that aren't too. It's just expressed just how it needs to be. It's not too intense. So if someone was maybe new to the style, like in a market like Alberta, where maybe it's not super yeah. popular and they were trying one, uh, you know, you might as well try the award-winning one. You know, you know the vibes. Yeah, it's simplicity and in, in complexity. Are you going to put the award on here for the next run? Um, oh, is this like I, a series? So you might not do this, this again. Is, exactly. Yeah, this is no. This is a one and done. Um, one of the things I do want to do when I have my own brew house is uh, do a do a re-release series. So mm, all these beers, like do a year one re-release and uh, do a one-off re-release of of our our favorites. Um, I really would love to do Impeachable again. That beer was fucking amazing. It was so as good. well. So good. like I'd never seen a beer with that much peach in it. Like it was just crazy it's and. So- I didn't expect it. I thought it'd be one of those lightly peached ales because it's sort of so hard to do that, but it was like this close to a smoothie. Yeah, it was it was a uh, 309, 390 kilograms worth of uh, of peaches, but it was those citra and laurel dry hop on it that mm. also uplifted that because that those pull uh, super stone fruity as well as the citrus that comes in from that uh, that mandarin. Um, notes that come in and support uh, those notes. That beer was, God, that beer is so good. Yeah, it was, it was um, I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's, I uh, it. yeah, you, that gives you a reason to bring it back at the end. I guess it's yeah. kind of like no point bringing it back now. It's as far as like the the climate he's gone. So. Oh, we'll, we'll wait till Trump does something stupid again and. Uh, Give it yeah. time. Give it time. It's guaranteed. It <laughs> guaranteed. Let's change the name a bit. The, so then. <laughs> As far as can you speak about what what else you you're going to be dropping? I mean, so far six beers deep in one year. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that's sizable for a brewery, a brewery that doesn't use doesn't have their own space. I imagine, right? I imagine the contract con, from what I can tell from everyone that I've spoken to, it's typically like you got a couple, but you're not like you know overhop started contracting. They only got their place last year um, after contracting for many many years. They. I think they start even when they started. It's probably t- two, three, maybe over time. I feel like because it's just often difficult, but you've been able to figure out a way that you've been able to do so many different ones, and get. The, I guess the, maybe the distro system works better there, or something that allows you to do it. Because maybe over here it's a bit different, more difficult if you're pumping out if you're not pumping out the same beer over and over. Um, I don't know about that. I think. I have um, strengths in, uh, you know, I've been in the industry for a while here, so there's a certain street cred to my to my name, thankfully. Um, and you know, no, I fucking worked for it. No, my friend, that's what my friend told me the other day. Like, you, you worked, you've worked your ass off for the last six years. Like, own it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I should fucking own it. I should own it. Um, own oh, yeah, it. Sure. I. Yeah, I uh, I worked pretty hard in the industry over the last little bit and uh, made some changes and had a fairly loud voice and made a lot of connections. Um, I think the other thing with Exhale is we, you know, I, I created a really strong, solid um, branding program. Um, you know, it's not just, oh, make cool beer, buy my cool beer. Um, it is, we make cool beer 
and we're good fucking humans and we're making changes while we're making cool beer. It's that, you know, creating a better place one pint at a time. Um, you know, one of the things that when I do have my own brew house, um, we want to be an employee-owned cooperative. So um, it's creating those different structures within traditional structures um, that challenge the narratives. And I think people are staying, like, that resonates with people. And before somebody goes into a liquor store um, or before they go into a venue knowing that the beer will be on tap, um, that's what they. That's what they want to order. Mm. That's they're already thinking. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to have a fucking XL tonight, and, and I'm going to feel and I'm going to feel good about it. Love it. It's awesome, yeah. man. So I mean, you like that. That's that's a great mission that you've got that in the in the very near future. And this year, first year in six beers, huge achievement for next year. I don't know what the what you can and can't talk about. You could probably hint potentially if you can't talk about exact things. Yeah, you seem excited, which means uh, <laughs> it means there's yeah, some actually, shit coming. Um, yeah, I'm releasing a Nipa into nice. the whole lineup. Uh, so What's the vibes? Three of my uses my three of my favorite hops. Um, it's going to be a little different. I don't like my Nipas like super like filling or like I like my beer to still taste like beer. Okay. Um, so I like a I like complexity with a little grassiness and I like a little bitterness, residual bitterness as well with Nipahs. So um, I'm using Laurel, Mandarin, Laurel and Citra as the two main late edition and dry hops and then using a Mandarina Bavaria in there as well um, to just kind of break up that juiciness. Um, uh, uses all Alberta malt on that. Um, and it's called Tripod Penelope after my kitty. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So, That's uh, three favorite hops, and because uh, she's 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 a little hoppy cat now with her three legs, um, and that's going to have a partial proceeds give back to Parachutes of Pets, which is a non for profit here uh, that help um, the houseless community, uh, low income communities, and seniors uh, pay for. Um, pay for pet needs and um so in june uh try, my, my little penelope got hit by a car and um we we lost her for a day but found her and it was going to be six thousand dollars to get her back Fuck. and i was going to have to make hard decisions um but i maxed out every credit card that i had and got her into surgery and was just like i'll fucking figure it out um, but I put up a GoFundMe and then threw my threw my phone across the room uh, and didn't pick it up for a day. And overnight, my community raised five and a half thousand dollars to help me get her back. I'm not going to cry. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's it's my way of paying it forward. And we're going to be throwing a big gala in March uh, with one of my amazing restaurant partners here called Freehouse. Um, and so we're going to be doing a big gala uh, to release that. So that's going to be released in February. We're taking a little break from releases um, and then have the Saison series planned out. Can't say too much about that yet, but it is a the base Saison and then a fruited Saison that's coming after it and super excited about that. Also uses some New World French hops um, in the mix with that. Um, have a sour coming out nice. as well. Um, and then going to be, as I said, I think I 
did it told earlier about the Christmas plum pudding or the, yes. it's going to be the Christmas pudding porter because um, we're taking the plums out for next year uh, and then probably and then re-release the Mates for Life again uh, so we'll have the two core beer and then we'll have five short beer in between so it'll be seven beer in the next year. I love it. What are the two cores then? So see you next Tuesday. It'll be see you next Tuesday and it'll be Tripod Penelope. Okay, that's what I thought. Because obviously the impeachable was the very first, uh, the first one, but was a sort of like it a, was a, a one. Of, it was a one and done type I, thing. Okay. Well, actually, it was a it was a two and done because it sold so quickly that we that I had to do more of it. I'm not surprised. And I was... <laughs> that was yeah, such a good beer. Like such I, a good beer. do you know? I, I think I said to you the last time. Like it was just so interesting. I'd never seen. Usually all, all my friends who are all the breweries I've met and spoken to over the years who are in contracting over here, I've always felt like they were so limited by what the breweries could do for them. And doing a beer with that much fruit just didn't even seem like a, even remotely an option. So that's why I was so surprised. And that's why I think some of it's got to do with the way you guys in the West have a completely different um, distro system. Then over here, it's a little more limited. And I just don't think it's possible to do something that intense so i was extraordinarily like wow this is crazy I just, it was like it looked like a new england like it was just murky and just so much fruit in it that i imagine was um not uh re-fermenting uh what's it called it was already uh pasteurized or no it was it was it's it's it was all added in so all the fruit that i add into beer when i do fruited versions is all fermented it's all added either on day ah, four sweet. or day five so of fermentation. No, so everything, no residual sugars, everything is fermented out. Um, no risks. I am going to say that I can't drink a smoothie. You can't drink a smoothie? I can have a, I have a, I can have a four ounce and then I'm generally about done. Is that because um, of the I sweetness, just, the texture? It's the sweetness for me. It okay. is overwhelming uh, for my palate. Um, I like my beer dry. Okay. You like Tiff, like Tiff hates sugar and stuff, so... You don't like smoothies, baby. Smoothie beers? You don't like smoothie beers? Not a huge fan. No, right? Christina's saying the same thing. It's the sweetness. So. Yeah. Yeah? It's just, just too much? It's not a beer. It's what? Not a beer. It's not a beer. There you go. <laughs> wow. It's the same thing. I, li- yeah, I like, like my beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like my beer to still taste like beer. I like yeah. it. I like it to be dry and I like it to be balanced um, and I like the complexity in that. I, for me, the overwhelming... The overwhelming of anything in a beer for me is it's hard to to move past. You know what? I completely respect that. I I've spoken. I feel like smoothies tend to be a um, to, you know what's the word? Like, what's the fucking word? Uh, not controversial as much, but I find that like you either love them or you hate them type of thing. I I don't know. I like stupid shit in beer. I'm not super fast. I don't give a fuck if it tastes like beer. I think it's awesome. Smoothies are my favorite shit ever because they're so it's just sick. It's just I get wicked, it. Wicked fruit. I get but, it. I mean, under no pretenses that it's, I know it's 50% fruit or 40% fruit. And look, I still think it's beer. I don't care, but I don't care that I can't taste the beer because I know that it was a great Berlin of ice at one point. <laughs> and then they just threw this shit on top. <laughs> I, I don't think that I've also had average smoothies. So I know that when they have a good one, you know, yeah, appreciate it because they're not uh, the, the the easiest things in the world to make. But uh, yeah, would be, a lot of my friend beer like beer nerd friends, some of them get really angry about them and stuff. So I'm like, no, I I'm get. Not, it. I'm not angry. I'm not no, angry you're, you're about totally, it. Yeah. Um, you just know what you I'm like. not angry. 
I just, yeah, it's, uh, I get it. Well, I get it. And I understand it, why people like them. And there is a place for them in the market. There is, there is, there is a place for everything within the market. Um, whether you like to play in that place or not, that's completely up to you. That's it. They're, uh, you know, it's what, uh, what some of the, the hype kids are after, but I think the, you know, they're not really, they haven't transcended enough yet. Still, still early days with the smoothies. <laughs> so no exhale smoothies is what we're, what we're talking about. Uh, no, that was a, that was actually a joke. Um, cause I kept getting people like when smoothies and people were like, when are you going to do a smoothie? And I just kept on writing never. And, um, so one of the jokes, and so one of my closest friends here, uh, from Outcast Brewing, Patrick Schnarr, and I actually work in the tap room for Patrick Schnarr. Um, and, uh, you know, he's the one who's known for the smoothies here. Like he was the first one in Alberta to do them and, and did some, some, raging um raging super good smoothies like the the blueberry cobbler one that they do i will have eight ounces of that like okay like i'll t- i'll let you know i'll have eight ounces of that <laughs> um and then i'm done um but uh i kept getting people writing me saying when are you going to put out a smoothie and so my joke on one of my instagram uh feeds i think it was a story feed and i put it up on my facebook was dear everyone who keeps asking me to make smoothies no. No. <laughs> so no collab? <laughs> no outcast collab then? It's not oh, happening? We'll do, an outcast, we'll do an outcast collab. Maybe I'll shoot myself. It's the other thing. Like I hate cream ales. I fucking hate cream ales. I hate anything with like vegetal nature to it. Yeah. Um, I see you talk about and- this before and I always found it like I don't like them either, but I don't have a particular distaste for them. But I think that's hilarious that it's like yeah, I- that. It is a strange beer though. It's got these, like, for me, anything with, I'm super uh, sensitive to anything vegetal. Mm. And, um, yeah, and there's also this infamous story where I went to a brewery with a friend and uh, he ordered uh, a flight, but they only had the three beer on the flight. So he ordered um, just an extra cream ale. And I said, I'll do the same, but I'll have the extra IPA and not the cream ale. I just have two of the other ones. And he went, oh, you don't want the cream ale? And I was like, no, I don't want the cream ale. And he said, well, do you know what a cream ale is? And my friend just kind of like held on to the bar of like. Oh, here we go. <laughs> this is, is going to go either way. Yeah. And I, and he said, oh, you know, I, I won an award for my cream ale. And I was like, actually, I was the head judge uh, for that award that you won. And I had to sit through 14 hybrid ales and 12 of them were cream ales to give you that award. So, yes, I know what a cream ale is, and I don't want one. And what do you say but to that? Didn't, much? But didn't ask my male friend. And of course say, not. <laughs> It still boggles like, my what? mind that this is a thing. Like, why would someone assume in 2021 that a woman at a bar doesn't know what anything is like i imagine that the the there has to just be straight misogyny like just running through all this stuff i just don't understand why anyone would assume in these days because that is a very dangerous assumption if i would say most breweries are getting to that 50 50 point at least with gender so wouldn't you know if that that would suggest there's a knowledge there there's a lot of female brewers a lot of people female brewery owners speaking to one like I just, I just don't understand that that's the thing. I just could not – I've never seen it before. I've only heard stories because it's preposterous to me that you would ever yeah, assume I, someone's being knowledge. 
Yeah, I mean, it was what 2018 that it happened, so it well, wasn't all the three like, years ago. It's not that long. Yeah, ago. yeah, it's, yeah, totally. It's not that long. So it's a famous story that a lot of people know, and uh, everybody knows. I fucking hate cream meals, um, and it's not anything against. And I fucking hate cucumber and beer. I hate cucumber. Once again, it's that vegetal thing. If I get a whiff of anything vegetal, I'm like. Ugh. Over. Um, <laughs> Game over. Uh, O-V-A-H, over. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, I always joke that um, I'm going to do a cream ale uh, at one point, but it's going to be a really expensive joke, and I came up with one. Um, I kind of took on Brett Wilson out here, who is a really well-known um, investment banker. We actually call him um, Orphan, uh, Daddy Orphan Wells. Um because there's a lot of he left a lot of orphan wells out here. Um, anyway, he made a dumb comment on Twitter that you know when you go into the provincial election, uh, when you go into the municipal elections, remember when you're voting uh, for X Y Z, you're voting for uh, unions and which will create uh, more employ- more jobs and um, cost more money and and higher wages. And which is the most stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard because he said it in a dumb way, like don't don't vote for these people because there'll be more jobs and and and, and there'll be wages. higher wages. Um, so I ended up taking him on on that because I am a labor economics geek. Um, and David Card had just won the uh, Nobel Peace Prize for labor economics on uh, minimum wage standards and uh, creating co-op uh, equitable. Um, anyway, it was a whole thing. So I took him on and then I made the joke. Somebody was like, oh, this sounds like a really good beer name. And I was like, oh, maybe this is the, the chance I get to make my cream ale, uh, uh, <laughs> white and bland, uh, smell and smell slightly vegetal. And that was, <laughs> name it that, why not? <laughs> I just kind of going to call it a uh, daddy orphan wells. Uh, yeah. Cream ale, white, bland and smell slightly vegetal. <laughs> My jokes it's are a, so ridiculously expensive, it, it's dumb. You know what? It's worth it, though. If you can execute on that, it'll sell them. <laughs> That's all that matters is can you recoup? Just make that money back and you're good to go. Anything else is a bonus. That's fucking I hilarious. I mean, when, when, when you put your first beer out and it makes fun of Trump, I mean, I think you're setting you're setting a certain bar, right? So you got to keep doing it. You kind of like <laughs> shot yourself on the foot there, man. That's fucking amazing. I love it. That's great. Now I want to try a cream ale and see how bad they are. It's been it's been a while. Who the fuck drinks cream ale anyway? I there's um the brewery that I uh, brew at Toolshed. One of their most popular beer is Toolshed. Uh, is um is uh, People Skills, which is a uh, cream ale. People okay. really like them, so good luck. I guess it's a demo. My share. You know what? Yeah. If, if they'll buy your exhale uh, cream ale, let's cream. fucking go. <laughs> Maybe there's a Daddy bonus beer. Well cream. Yeah. It's going to be a uh, bonus beer, 2022. Wait for it. Maybe. Maybe if he pisses me off enough. <laughs> <laughs> somebody what... somebody pissed me off enough on a beer forum that I made a, a toque yeah. that says Snowflake. Um, so that was, yeah, that that's my, my joke. Uh, yeah, somebody called me. So I, I brought up a topic that there was a brewery uh, in Alberta using uh, – They'd use sexual images of women on their labelling over the course of years and uh, I'd kind of brought it up in a topic of conversation and somebody wrote underneath, um, are we here to be liberal whiners or drink beer? And so I wrote a whole thing on, uh, well, 
you know, uh, when you've been sexualized your whole life and you actually have something to say and give and have knowledge and have worked, you know, worked really hard for it. Um, yeah, you really don't want images of yourself on beer, uh, you know, that, that is being ogled at because people don't take you seriously. Anyway, um, so to that, uh, yeah, made a toque that says snowflake across it um and put that out and my friend had a really funny thing to say because I put it up in this thing and I was like here's my response to being called a liberal whiner um and to keep doing doing the work that needs to be done and if you get called a snowflake well winter's fucking coming so rug up um and I gave everybody a discount code to go out and buy themselves a, a, a snowflake to, and my friend uh my friend was like congratulations to the per- it, uh, uh, the points that she makes about doing the work is um is extremely relevant unless uh unless your goal was to make Christina mad enough to give you a discount code then then congratulations, well played. <laughs> <laughs> Did you send him directly a discount code though? Oh, I, I don't know who it was. I don't think they're in the beer group anymore. So let's just put it that way. <laughs> maybe they copped one. Maybe, just to be ironic and own the libs. <laughs> oh, God. I love it. You're a smart ass. It's perfect. Keep trolling these motherfuckers, man. That's amazing. It's so good. Was there anything else we wanted to touch on or we feel we're coming up on two hours? I feel like we got through the most of it, but was there anything else we maybe missed? We feel- um, I think the uh, each and every is the other thing that I wanted to bring up, mm. um, which is where the 100% of the Balls, Boobs and Beer calendar, which I will send you. Um, yes. So that is... That is the calendar that uh, started last year, and it is a nudie calendar uh, with, with, and it's cheeky, like sort of nudie. Super fun. It's sort of it's it's not it's not. I um, wouldn't be embarrassed with my mum. So it's in my kitchen. This year's one right now. If anyone came and saw it, I'm not ashamed because it's implied. It's I'm not gonna, you're, you're not seeing sexual. balls. No, you're not seeing areolas because they're cancelled, obviously, and you're not seeing. Oh well, actually, in this one. Well, there's a bit of areola action. Oh, I'm going to keep grabbing there my away is, from it. Because you know what? Because free the nipple. Once again, we talked about it at the start. Why? What's the difference between a female and a male's nipple? It's only that we're Nothing. in a patriarchal world that deems my nipple as sexual. So why don't we destigmatize it? I take the power back. Why not? And you can't sexualize me. And But if you want, that's fucking on you. Ain't I respect fun. it. I love it. So there's a bit of... <laughs> There's a bit of areola in this one, but there's no balls. There is. Uh, actually, on the back of it, there's a tiny little, like, shadow of a ball sack, which is my friend. I'll, That's, I'll... That is... That is uh, that is something in every issue now because by accident last year, my friend Kevin, uh, we didn't quite catch the accidental like little ball sack from behind. <laughs> So it's like a little bit. So of, now it's like now it's like a where's Wally of 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 bullsack in the gallery. Find the sack. Where did it slip? <laughs> Is that the episode name? Where's Wally of bullsacks? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get taken down for that, but you know what? It might be right. So the calendar is all around destigmatization and taking the power back and having having fun and realizing that we're all humans and we all have skin. Uh, 100% of the proceeds are donated um, and we're, we're working. So I sit on the board of each and every. Uh, so we are a coalition of businesses and run nationally now. We have just over 180 businesses, I believe it is, uh, across the country. Um, and we are advocates in... Um, 
in the harm reduction space uh, trying to fight our opioid crisis currently. We're advocating for individuals and breweries specifically and venues to always carry naloxone, have naloxone training. Uh, in Alberta, we've had three, excuse me, I'm getting gassy. Um, we've had uh, three uh, safe consumption sites close um, and it's all due to political ideology. Um, I lost a very dear friend in 2019 to an accidental um, overdose um, and we're seeing an increase in toxic supply here. So we're seeing um, toxic poisonings happen. They're not actually overdoses. There's, they're, mm. they're two different things. Um, and unfortunately, the people that are dying um, are the people who look like you. They are men between ages 35 to 50 in their own homes alone. Jesus. Yeah, because uh, we often think that the people who are dying are a houseless population. Um, and, yes, that is part of the problem. I mean, they the safe consumption sites are the safe, warm places for those people to go, but it's also the safe, warm places with other people um, so then people don't have to use alone in their own home. Um, and to date, globally, there has not been one person that has died in a safe consumption site. And also safe consumption sites offer opportunity for uh, access to services and low barrier access to services um, that can help people. And something that we've done here in our modern day society is we've criminalised trauma. Mm. Um, because most people who are using have often got traumatic backgrounds. And, uh, you know, I have had my own substance um, issues, not that I delved into um, opioids, um, but my own substance issues were because of who I am and because of my privilege are almost glorified, but I had infrastructure to be able to get me to where I needed to go without the shame. Mm. Um, and I had less barriers um, that helped me with my mental health and with my trauma um and that's what we need to do so you know as beer producers and people within the industry you know we produce a drug what's the difference between and and we do it in in infrastructure that is built to cushion the negative effects of the drug that we make um and we also have scaffolding that is around harm reduction and regulation um of an industry so why aren't we regulating an opioid industry that would help save lives, that would help declutter the courts, that would um, decriminalise trauma? Uh, so that's what we do with each and every. And, and the calendar this year, we've raised just on $3,000 for each Fuck and every yeah. um, through that calendar. So we only have a couple left. <laughs> Um, one's got your name on it with the with the plum pudding corner. I need so it. I'll make sure that I can't. Uh, I haven't been up to send it anything because it's been minus fifteen seventeen here. Yeah, so it makes a difference. So I feel you. It though. does. You can't. You can't send beer in that shit. <laughs> oh, we didn't we deal with this last time? Yeah, yeah. You and said, there was I one of I the you. Yeah, I think one of them like exploded. The, the peanut butter cookie. Yeah, yeah. I was pissed. I that exploded. sounded fucking great. One of the ones you did, yeah. yeah all, everything was great. There was a bunch of stuff. What, what you guys are doing out there is is fantastic. It seems like the scene is like really kind of like exploding and, and dominating out there. Um, 
I love it. We yes, have to but, get you out here. We need to get you out here yeah, and do an Alberta do fucking tour and series. Yeah, yeah we keep talking about it, but let's. I know um, it's yeah. the now they. I don't know about over there, but they just now they pulled everything. They're telling everyone not to travel, and they they put restrictions in Quebec. They put restrictions in Ontario. Now it's just like they every time anything's happening, they're doing the same thing over and over. That's not generating results, and it's. Uh, I don't even know what you can and can't do anymore. It's fucking out of control. So I, yeah. hopefully sooner than later we can get out there because I'm keen, man. I want to see the damn mountains and, uh, yeah. you know, switch it up. It's, it's been a minute. But we'll, we'll hopefully with hopefully things will get I – don't, I don't know how much faith I have, if I'm honest with you, with these uh, governments here. But fingers crossed things can be a little more – less volatile in the, in the next uh, – in the coming year. Let's, you know. Yeah. Everybody go get vaccinated. That's it. Go and do it. Go and do it. That's <laughs> how so we can get back to life, please. Eventually, we'll we'll make it. We'll make it. Um, Christina, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out. Where can everyone find Exhale online? Uh, yeah. So www.exhalebruco.ca. That's X H A L E. X H A L E. Yeah, X H A L E, and then just Exhale Bruco. Um, for Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitters. Fucking beautiful. Stick around. We'll wrap up. Oh, let's take the thumbnail before I do the ending part. Are you ready? Ooh, here we yeah. go. i got to hold these cans up. It's important. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Now, this side. Fucking boom. All right. Come on now. Uh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Come on. There we go. All right. Ready? Stunning. Um, thank you guys so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell so you know when the new drops. Follow us on social media everywhere at BAOS Podcast. Check out the long form audio. We are on all social, all, uh, social fucking, all podcast platforms. Make sure you follow, subscribe, whatever it is. And we go, uh, we premiere everything at 8 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday. Still, we're basically going right to the end of the year. We're not going to take time off until early January. So, Thanks again, Christine. I appreciate you. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Get in there.